0: Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast, where we talk about three of the biggest news stories in fashion from the week. I'm senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here, as always, with Editor-in-Chief Jill Manoff.
1: Hello, Jill. Hello, Danny.
0: We have a very fun episode today. We're going to be talking about Adidas, which has a new sports bra campaign that that came out uh, with some interesting imagery. Uh, We're going to talk about Prada partnering with the Ubisoft video game Riders Republic and kind of the distinction between a metaverse and a video game and and the strategy around that. And then finally, we will talk about the shuttering of the print version of InStyle, along with several other Meredith print publications, but we're going to focus on that one because this is a fashion podcast. So, Jill, to start, let's talk about Adidas. So, Adidas has a new sports bra collection that is coming out on uh, Valentine's Day, I believe. And to market the collection, which they say is built for all different kinds of breasts that need support and and like they're being very inclusive and universal about it, which I think is great. Um, but their campaign, which is online and in real life on a, a billboard, is just um, straight shot nude chests of, of various women in all different shapes and sizes. Adidas says the goal of this campaign is to normalize the human body, which is kind of, I mean, that's as normal as you can get as a human body. I, I, to me, this is like obviously very similar to like free the nipple campaigns and like sort of pointing out the hypocrisy of, you know, Instagram won't let you show a woman with no shirt on, but you can show a man with no shirt on and all that stuff. So I, I've got my thoughts, but what did you think of this campaign and and what it's trying to do and all that stuff?
1: I mean, way to sell your sports bra. We don't even see them. It's just really weird to me when you don't show the product, first of all. So it just reads as kind of um, I don't know, for shock value. Um, and I get it. I mean it it borrows, it reminded me immediately of another bra um company that um and it wasn't imagery of, of real women's breasts, but um like I got a notebook and uh like a tote bag from Third Love at one point that was illustrations of, of different size. Boobs, <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll say boobs, um, but from third love. So, anyway, um, I don't know if it was like a broad idea, I get what they're trying to do. Kind of like, um, sports bras are very limiting in terms of who they've accommodated in the past, which is probably anyway. P, everyone I know who has larger, a larger chest wears two sports bras or has for ages because there isn't one that's supportive enough. And so they've come a long way in recent years. Um, and we've seen good progress. Definitely. It's getting competitive. Um, we did a story in 20, early 2020, I believe. And it was about the research driven designs that were coming out of like under armor. Um, and also some of the, um, running brands. I think it was, Oh, Brooks had come out with a new one, um, and they were all the same thing—like a, prof- a professor, a, a some somebody who had done a lot of research around um, what what works as a sports bra. Um, and so, yeah, brands have been updating left and right. And then we also wrote about this SheFit Ultimate. Sports bra i i was like what is the bra we are writing about that took off on tiktok because it like you strap yourself in up top on your shoulders you strap around the around the waistband and women were raving about this um mm-hmm. over the summer so the fact that somebody got it right of course i think that these other mainstream brands that have been doing it forever are scrambling to catch up so they don't kind of fall off here um as for <laughs> the campaign itself I mean, I think it would have been more effective to so- sell sports bras to show what we saw on TikTok, which is strapping in those big babies, <laughs> jump around a little bit and say, this is amazing. Like that's what, what sold for SheFit. Um, mm. And yeah, this this got a lot of attention, but more so for um, look at this campaign than look at this amazing sports bra.
0: Yeah, I, I think the lack of actually showing the sports bra is definitely interesting. And I think um, is a little bit telling of of the intention. It almost feels like, and again, I don't want to downplay the fact that, like you're saying, like despite many, many years of complaints about this, like you know, there's still so many bras and and like clothing for for women or or people with feminine bodies that like just don't fit or like don't work, even though it's literally been like decades of people saying we need to like re-engineer them and stuff. But despite all that, it, I got a little bit of the sense of like they put it out there and sort of were like. Looking around to see if anyone was going to like condemn them or something, and so that (laughs) they could be like, actually, it's totally okay to do this, which it is, but it's just, you know what I mean? It sort of feels like they were hoping to get some sort of moral condemnation so that they could stand against it. And like, maybe, maybe I I just haven't looked hard enough, but I feel like I didn't see anybody like too upset about it. Like, there was this Yahoo article, and they were like, not everyone's happy. Like, one random Twitter user said, ew, like, that doesn't really count as like, you know, to me, coordinated pushback or anything. So um, I do think it's like not quite as provocative maybe as it would have been a couple of years ago. It's definitely a step further than I think a lot of brands have gone. Um, And obviously it was posted on Twitter and not Instagram because Instagram does not let you do that. And I do think that's an an interesting thing. It's like the social platforms um, have this sort of interesting relationship with nudity where they Don't want it because I think advertisers are are like skittish around like having their stuff with like porn and basically and and like you know that was a whole thing with Tumblr where they they banned all sexual like sexually explicit content um, which was like ninety percent of what Tumblr was used for before that (laughs) and it was like yeah it's like maybe that's better for the advertisers but if you alienate like so many users is that really worth it and stuff but then there's also the question of if we allow nudity like you can't really regulate like only tasteful nudity you know like if you allow some nudity you're gonna get like the absolute gamut of like you know the the most tasteful which i would say the adidas thing is is not like sexy really it's just like women standing there like it's not really sexualized um but like if you allowed nudity you kind of just have to expect that you will get every single kind of nudity immediately so yes
1: and every kind of response go ahead
0: and yeah exactly every kind of response so i do think it's more of a a thing with the social platforms and what they're willing to do to to alienate or not alienate advertisers and users more than it is like like a stand against any sort of like scandalized puritanical culture. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like most people don't care that much. Like, I'm sure there are some people who are a little more conservative who don't want to see that. But I feel like the average person is like, okay, who cares? Um, It's really (laughs) more about, I think, you know, trying to push back on like Instagram's roles or various, you know, social media platforms.
1: Totally. I feel like we're all jaded. Like we see naked and there it is. Like <laughs> it's not quite as shocking. It's interesting to me. You you wrote about Me Undies earlier in the week about um their NFT and they got a mm-hmm. lot of backlash mm-hmm. on Twitter and they really like Pulled it back and and changed their they deleted the tweet I think or changed their their profile pic and they basically yeah. like yeah back they deleted they some follow some
0: follow up tweets not the original tweet though
1: oh got it um and the fact that I guess like you said Adidas was maybe anticipating more backlash but they I think I think I was looking at the same story I think it was in Yahoo or a different publication um, where they called out um that Adidas had said something like, well, we're not going to take it down. We're going to stand by <laughs> um, our beliefs that, you know, about body confidence and um, we're doing this to, to normalize everything. This is normal, whatever. Um, so they yeah. defended it despite maybe not getting the backlash that they that they had anticipated. And mm-hmm. and I think that's better, like make a decision and stick to it.
0: <laughs> right, right. I mean, if they really wanted to be sort of subversive or, or, like, push some boundaries, they could just post it on Instagram, like, get it taken down, and then make a big deal in the, the public sphere about Instagram, like, doesn't want you to see women's bodies or something. You know, like, that that could be you something. You should big. be in
1: marketing. That, that would have been good. Well,
0: <laughs> see, I shouldn't be in marketing because my <laughs> ideas are too powerful. Um, I would but. completely transform society. But that, that to me, like, if they really wanted to, like, make a big stand out of it, that's one thing you can do is, like, force the... Because Twitter is not going to take it down. Twitter allows that stuff. And so it's not really making too much of a concrete stand to, like, post something in a place where you're allowed to post it. And you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. they they could... And that's kind of... This will transition us into the the video game thing we're going to talk about. But that's sort of what the makers of Fortnite did with Apple recently. This is outside of fashion, so I'll be brief. But they, Apple had like a monopoly on the App Store. And if you have an app on the App Store, you can't charge money through it without giving Apple a big cut. And so the people who made Fortnite did this thing where they purposely like flouted Apple's rules. If you wanted to buy something through Fortnite on the the App Store, they would like direct you outside of the app so that Apple wouldn't get a cut, knowing that they would, get it like that that goes against Apple's rules and then Apple would take the app down and then they could sue Apple and that was like a strategy to start this whole thing hopefully to get Apple to relinquish some of those that cut and I feel like you could do something maybe with Instagram if you really wanted to protest that they won't allow nudity you could do it like that you know put it up there and and knowing that they'll take it down and then make a big stink about it so
1: I mean, what a strategy. You've thought about this.
0: <laughs> I have thought about this for one second right before I said it. It just <laughs> came into my mind. But
1: Well, I like um, it. Well, I, I think that what Adidas is doing is is truly impactful about re-engin- re-engineering their entire sports bra p- portfolio. So basically, 43 styles, 18 franchises available in 72 sizes is what I read. Mm-hmm. That's big. So they should have, I, I mean, promoted what they're doing here a little bit more. In terms of numbers. Like
0: you said, the actual product is more subversive than the campaign. And I feel like doing it like this sort of puts a little more attention on the campaign than on the product. But, you know, uh, I don't work for Adidas, so they can do whatever they want. Any other thoughts on Adidas before we move on?
1: No, let's talk gaming because, yeah, you know your stuff.
0: We'll talk gaming. This is my area of interest. This is the many, many hundreds of hours I have wasted on playing video games. Finally pays off in a professional <laughs> setting. Um, so <laughs> starting on Friday, which is the day this episode is airing, there's a, a a fairly popular video game called Riders Republic. It's sort of like an open world uh, mountain sports kind of game. So there's skiing and snowboarding and mountain biking and all this stuff. And you can kind of just run around and do all those things on a big mountain. The company that makes that, Ubisoft, is a French video game company. They're, they're one of the biggest video game developers and publishers in the world um so they partnered with Prada um and starting on Friday and going through I think Valentine's Day there's going to be Prada themed like outfits and cosmetic stuff in the game there's going to be the a space in the game world that's like decorated all Prada and there's like a Prada themed event and all this extra stuff um and it's uh, specifically I should say Prada's Linnea Rossa they're like ski wear like mountain kind of line of clothing so there's some brand synergy there it's not just like random prada stuff thrown onto like a snowboarding game and the reason i wanted to talk about this jill is because i feel like this has come up a couple times in our conversations but to me when i as someone who has played a lot of video games feels pretty in tune with like the video game world seeing some like metaverses coming out i'm I'm doing scare quotes for the listeners who can't see that just like look like a garbage and look like not fun at all to Run, you know, it's like the yeah. the visuals look terrible. It looks like something came out in two thousand four. Like there's nothing to do other than run around and like look at a Ralph Lauren logo or something. That to you me, don't do
1: that in your spare time? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm like, what's the value here other than like for the brands to put, you know, like as a user, why would I do that? Where something like right. Riders Republic or Fortnite or Roblox or whatever, there's like stuff to do, and you can. You know, if you're like snowboarding games or, or sports games, you can do that. If you like Fortnite, which is like a shooter, you can do that. And then on top of that, they've got like the brand and stuff. Like that just to me feels so much smarter. And like I can't imagine that just like walking around in like Decentraland land or whatever is like that fun. I haven't done it personally. Maybe it's a blast. But to me, like compared to the the cutting edge of like dedicated video games and the stuff you can do in that and the worlds they make, I'm like, why would you, you know, explore some garbage looking metaverse that's like got 20,000 people when you can play Fortnite that has like 50 million people. You know what I mean?
1: Come on. Yeah. I have never, well, no surprise here, played Writer's Republic. <laughs> but am I correct? Like what's happening here? It's like 50, 60 players at a time. It's not like, I mean, obviously they have a presence where everybody that plays is going to see it. I couldn't find how many players yeah. there are of the game in total. Or like how many people have Bought into right, it.
0: like total users. Yeah, it's yeah. it's fairly new, um, which is why like October. Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, came out in October. Um, Fortnite has been out for years and they publish like a lot more numbers. So I, I don't think there's uh I was trying to find it as well and I couldn't find like total users. Um, but yeah, that number 50 to 64 is that's how many people can be in like one play session at the same time, but that's not obviously a total amount of people. But even just you looking at like the average video game, like the, I think Decentraland has, like, a couple hundred thousand um, people in total using it. And, like, even a, a medium-selling video game will have, like, several million people. Just so, the, so there's no specific numbers on Riders Republic, but I feel like it's a safe bet that it's probably significantly higher. I mean, like, Roblox has, what, like, 40 million people or something? Don't call me on that. I think it might, it might even be more. And, and obviously, Roblox is huge. But, again, like, even if it sells two or three million people using it or playing it in Riders Republic, that's still orders of magnitude above, you know, one of these, like, dedicated metaverses that have come out in the last year or two. Yeah. So you've got, like, more users. They're, like, more engaged because there's, like, something to do. There's also more room, I think, for, um, like, synergy. Like I mentioned, the Prada is selling its, like, ski clothes in a game that's about, like, skiing and snowboarding and stuff. Like, whereas... Some places, again, I keep saying Decentraland. I don't want to call them out. That's just the one that keeps coming to mind. But there's there's <laughs> other ones. IMVU or MVU, however you say that one. Yeah. That, like, it seems like the primary activity is walking around and, like, doing nothing.
1: <laughs> play a you game. Know? No, I get it. Do you think that this is a play um, as more fashion folks get, like, I don't know, acclimated to, to these gaming worlds? Like, to win them over, to become players of Writer's Republic. It's just interesting to me, that this Prada activation, this Prada, I don't know, yeah, hoopla, all that's going on here, um, it, it's overlapping with a freebie weekend. You can play Writer's Republic for free, mm-hmm. um, yes. which is interesting. So I, I don't know how many new folks are going to get um, that are just interested in the Prada. Part of it, but mm-hmm. I have also I also saw a lot of stories about just like it's free, come play this weekend. That had nothing to no mention of Prada. So anyway, right. that that's strategic. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, and and that goes to a, a another like video game trend in the last couple of years, which is, for for a long time, video games were like you pay sixty dollars, you get the game, that's it, um, and they've really moved to uh, sort of what they call like a live service model now, where it's about like constantly updating the game. So like this Prada thing is a perfect example. Like for the next few days, the the game world is gonna have all this Prada stuff, but then you come back in the next few weeks, like the world that you're in has changed and now they've like got something else. Maybe it's a brand or maybe it's not. Um, like right. maybe they do a Christmas theme thing and they've like put up Christmas decoration. So it it's like the game changes after you've already bought it and as you're playing it and with that, this strategy has moved from rather than getting people to pay like 60 bucks up front and then that's it now it's like we can let people play this game for free at the start with the hope that they'll like buy a prada outfit like when like for two or three dollars or something or maybe it's more. um when those come out or like oh uh, you know that's called microtransactions like these little things that you buy like if you've ever given a uh younger cousin or child like your phone and let them play a game and they charge like a thousand dollars to your to your account that's like that's through microtransactions. So,
1: anyway. <laughs> Look out for them. So that's interesting. There yeah. are also, like, not only, like, like you mentioned, the areas be decked with this, like, Prada logo stuff. But also, um, it made sense. Like, it wasn't surprising that there are, like, competitions that during this weekend and during this main part of the activation. But then I read there's a permanent event, like a something permanent mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. Prada Beyond the Line. So, something yeah. will be... Stuck there from Prada forever. Yeah, forever, ever. That's cool.
0: I mean, I mean, they can. Some things are like timed, and like they know they say upfront, like this will only be here for this amount of time. But like they can change stuff at any time, you know. So like that Prada thing, maybe it won't be like permanent, permanent, like unchangeable. They could get rid of it and replace it with something else if they wanted to. But it just, I think that just means like there's no. It's in there indefinitely until we decide to change it.
1: Pretty cool.
0: Yes, it is it is it's a very interesting world and like sports games especially I think like have had a much longer time like a longer experience with um brand partnerships like if you ever played FIFA which is a soccer video game that I was obsessed with in high school like they've had Adidas sponsorships in that game since like 2007 or something or maybe even before that um that's just when I started playing it. So like I think the sports games like Riders Republic it is a little bit of an easier like Adaption of, of the brands because like their brands and sports like kind of go together whereas like something like Fortnite, it's in this wacky fantastical world and they found a way to make it work but like the a lot of games like that didn't have brand partnerships until the advent of like the live service model in which you could pull these things in like you can have a character from like avengers like be in the game just like the weekend before avengers comes out and then when avengers is out they get rid of it or so, you know so stuff yeah. like that is all very new um but cool. if i were a brand. I yeah. would be more interested in doing stuff like that, like with these games that have tons of users and there's a reason to use them other than just like walking around and looking at brand stuff over, you know, some of these metaverses that to me are just don't look very convincing.
1: I mean, I want to put on a cool ski outfit and compete. Anyway. I do fun. love Linnea
0: Rasa though. They they look really great. But
1: yeah, let's move to our fit. final
0: story. So I monopolized the conversation about Riders Republic. Jill, I would love for you to... <laughs> walk us through a little bit about what's going on with InStyle. I feel like you have a little more experience and and um, fondness for the magazine and like for the publication. I just, no offense to InStyle, never really read it personally. So I will let you take the lead on this.
1: Yeah, I am heartbroken. So we just found out today is Dot Dash acquired Meredith last year um, and now has made the decision to fold the print publications of six of the magazines, um, including InStyle, but also Parents and People, mm-hmm. and Espanol, and uh, Entertainment Weekly, Entertainment all these week other thing. guys. Yeah, so InStyle, I mean, as we know, beauty and fashion publications dropping left and right as the time goes on. Um, You know, I'm a, I'm a print girl. I used to work for <laughs> a print publication in St. Louis. So it's just like, as this all happens, it's a, totally a new world that's developing that where print, um, fashion doesn't exist. Um, you know, devil wears Prada. She's reviewing the book and then like the September issue, like it's all about a print magazine. So really, I mean, Laura Brown, I interviewed her editor in chief of in style magazine when she first started there in 2017 for Digiday magazine. Um, and it was just a a Q and a about her plans. Um, she was just hired on. She had come from Harper's Bazaar. She was, she's like a cool girl about town. Like I knew of her seeing her at fashion events, hanging out with Alexa Chung and just like an it girl. And I was like, wow, she's going to shake things up and bring something new to this stuffy publishing world. I'm so excited because she had always interviewed like Kim and Kanye for, for Harper's Bazaar. And so she just she always had a cool voice and cool style. And I was, I couldn't wait to see the first issue. She had um Emily Redajowski with with a, a t-shirt that was like in style branded and designed by Virgil Abloh. and it was impactful. So anyway, I was like, I I thought she has been doing great things where she's tapping into pop culture for every issue everything is like, she's got amazing diversity in every issue. She's got some fresh ideas. Anyway, when you read in style, it's still very fun, I would say. And it feels authentic because it's coming from her who's not like a bullshitter. Like when I interviewed her um, and she was telling me her ideas, I was excited. And I did ask her the question, do you think there will always be a place for print? And she said, there's room for both. I don't want to look at a bloody device all day. And I hope that's the same of the young people. <laughs> and she said, I say in my old lady voice. Um, and so, but she did say, you should reflect the times you're in. So, yeah, as everything moves digital, um, moves online, uh, the new owners, the new dot dash, they they, they want to be uh, focusing their efforts, I, I guess, where online. I, I don't know what, what the plan is in terms of... Um, online for InStyle. They've got a great online presence, um, people dedicated to to their website and to their content. So um, I'm sure it'll be kind of a transitional time. But 20 job cuts across the company, not just InStyle, obviously. Um, they're saying it was less than 5% of the total staff. But yeah, it says a lot about where fashion media is going. And um, I know I, for the first time, bought a Vogue and an InStyle magazine like a couple months ago because I was having like Screen overkill, and I was like, I just want to read a magazine. And to me, like, again, we're just inserting our opinions left and right today. But uh, Vogue yeah, was so boring. For. Yeah, Vogue was so boring to me. I like flipped through it, and I was like, womp. And it was so skinny. It like, it felt like it was on its last leg. I was like, is mm-hmm. this a magazine or is this like a pamphlet? A pamphlet. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it was boring. A and brochure. then in style, yeah, in style it was colorful, and it has celebrities and influencers in there, and like people you wouldn't think. Um, and I was inspired and had fun reading it. So, anyway, it's sad.
0: <laughs> it is. And I do think you're right that, like, fa- like I think any, any form of print media has been sort of struggling for a while. But fashion has always had such a – fashion specifically has always had such a, like in- – integral relationship with print media. Like you said, people when people think of fashion, they think of like a glossy. I mean, it's literally our name is glossy, um, which I believe <laughs> is a reference to like a glossy magazine, right? That's where that comes from. Um, and so I think there's probably a lot of people in fashion, myself included, who their first glimpse of that world is through print media. For me, it was like getting GQ magazine when I was like 12 years old and like trying to somehow cobble together some sort of GQ um, ask outfit from like my dad's clothes and stuff, of course, like none of it fit and like none of it was anywhere close to what, uh, was in that magazine, but it was getting that and seeing it and flipping through it and reading about trends and stuff that I wasn't seeing anywhere else. Um, or like really even understanding, like kind of awoke that possibility in me. And even now today, like I obviously do a lot of digital, Reading and probably primarily, but like my girlfriend gets the New Yorker every week, which I we both read. Um, I have a couple of Paris Review magazines that I, I really enjoy. Um, for fashion, my friend got me onto this Japanese like menswear magazine called Popeye that I highly recommend. Jill, if you have not seen it, read some Popeye. Nice. I mean, don't read it because it's in Japanese, I have no idea what it says, <laughs> but it's just so cool and so yeah. visually exciting and it's thick and the photography is amazing. It's like it's so good. And I I feel like Japanese like fashion print media is like it's whole this whole other world, too. And I I, from what I've seen, I feel like they're maybe faring a little better than English language media. But there is something sad about losing some of that, especially in fashion, because it's just a a, a big part of fashion history.
1: You're so right. And you can still go to a cool magazine stand and find the cool fashion publications. I guess a lot of them are international. Is what I, I guess. Like what what's happening in the, in the states? It also says a lot about kind of um, fashion advertising. When we talk to brands and we say, "Where are you putting your money these days to acquire customers?" Is that is that print ad that is usually so costly and it features this amazing, I don't know, model or actress and this amazing backdrop? It, and it's so inspiring to the reader. But um, yeah, some people are like, you have to. You've got to be in the September issue. You've got to put that investment in um, to be part of the conversation, just like kind of what people say about participation in Fashion Week. Like if you're not there, you're you're gone. You, you just have to have a presence. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where where that money goes. Will they be advertising online? Will ads change? Because nobody's flipping through it like they would an art book, which I I think that that those are probably dying.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we should wrap it up there. But before we do, let's just say if you if you are if any of this is resonating with you out there, go subscribe to a print magazine that you like. And while you're at it, subscribe to Glossy as well. All right. Thank you, Jill. It was great talking to you.
1: Good note to end on. Thanks, Danny.
0: All right. Well, we'll see you next week. And in the meantime, please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. And if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to not only hear the Week in Review every Friday with me and Jill, but also Jill's conversations with the leading names in fashion that are published every Wednesday.